Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean. Inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. By Celestron. Offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com. And by Birds and Beans Shade-Grown Bird-Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. Good morning. Welcome to our show number 676. And happy Mother's Day to all the moms in our Talking Birds audience. A couple of weeks ago, we were at a beautiful museum, the Fitchburg Museum of Art in Fitchburg, Massachusetts, about 50 miles sort of northwest of Boston. We were there presenting our slide talk called The Magic of Migration. As part of the presentation, we cataloged some of the many challenges to bird survival. And at the end of the talk, one of the audience members asked about birds facing extinction. Unfortunately, many are. In fact, one in eight birds on the planet are now described as threatened with extinction. And this week, we learned through our friends at the Birding Community eBulletin of a surprising list of newly added North American birds that are among those threatened. They cited findings by BirdLife International about several species of birds whose populations are plummeting toward possible extinction and now listed as vulnerable, which is just one step away from the endangered species category. So three of these birds are found here in North America and be prepared for a surprise at least for the first one. It's the snowy owl. Described as now experiencing a rapid population decline, most likely driven by climate change. BirdLife International points out that disruptions to snow melt and snow cover are affecting the availability and distribution of prey. Number two is the black-legged kittiwake, impacted by rising sea temperatures that are driving catastrophic declines in plankton populations with an impact on the rest of the food chain, including fish. Plastics at sea consumed by the kittiwakes may be another threat. And number three is the Atlantic puffin, being affected by regional overfishing and climate change resulting in serious food shortages. You can find a link to this edition of the Birding Community e-bulletin that contains more details about this news on our Talking Birds Facebook page. We'll have that up after the show. And by the way, we heartily recommend subscribing to the Birding Community e-bulletin produced by Paul Basich and Wayne Peterson. It's free, and you can find subscription information through that link that we'll put on our page. Well, this weekend, starting on Saturday, May 12th, and extending into today in various places, marks the celebration of World Migratory Bird Day, now an annual awareness-raising campaign highlighting the need for conservation of migratory birds and their habitats. It has a global outreach, as the name would suggest, and it's a great way to help raise global awareness of the threats faced by migratory birds, their ecological importance and the need for international cooperation to conserve them. And the anniversary serves as a reminder that birds need help from all of us, too. So Talking Birds listeners allow us to suggest that you consider becoming part of a bird protection group, whether it's the American Bird Conservancy, National Audubon, your local Audubon Society, 
or any of the hundreds of wonderful organizations dedicated to saving birds and preserving our planet. And by the way, here in North America, 2018 is the year of the bird being celebrated by National Geographic, the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, the aforementioned BirdLife International, and more than 100 other organizations. In honor of the fact that 2018 marks the 100th anniversary of the Migratory Bird Treaty Act, considered to be the most powerful and important bird protection law ever passed. That act, unfortunately, is being weakened even as we speak by the current administration in Washington. And if there was ever a time to fight back for the birds and our natural world, this surely would be the time. Extra, extra, read all about it. Here are some of the stories and videos we have for you on our Facebook page this week. Got rodents out by your bird feeders? Our man Mike O'Connor offers some tips on how to discourage them and also offers some surprises about the diets of those skulking night visitors. How did ancient birds lose their teeth and get their beaks? We'll link you to a new study that sheds some light on that question. And what's in a name? A bird's name, that is. A new book looks at what the names mean and where they came from and the men and women who created them. We'll connect you to that. And that's some of what we have for you on our Facebook page this week. You can find those stories, too, on an online search if you're not a Facebook follower. Blog. On our blog this week, the cuckoos are coming. Alaskan birds wise up. That's the headline of our blog this week as our own Debbie Bleacher reports on research about the effect of brood parasites like the common cuckoo and the oriental cuckoo invading Alaska from eastern Russia. That's on this week's blog, edited by our own Debbie Bleacher and easily found at TalkinBirds.com. That's the sound of our mystery bird. And this is a preview of our mystery bird contest. This is not the contest itself. Just a preview. We'll be doing the contest a little bit later on in the show, but we wanted to kind of get you sort of prepared for the contest that's coming up. We'll give you a few clues here about our mystery bird. We have some uh, beautiful prizes uh, for our mystery bird contest. We'll give you those in just a second here. We just have to find the clues to our mystery bird, and I, I'm certain that we will find them in just a moment. Why, here they are. Our mystery bird is a small songbird with yellow underparts, an olive green back, and a yellow face. The male wears what looks like a black balaclava or ski mask. Our bird breeds all across the eastern U.S. and southern Canada, feeding on insects gleaned from leaves and branches or fly caught in the air. We have a beautiful Droll Yankees double suet feeder and a subscription or a download to the LarkWire app um, that helps make learning bird sounds a game. Those are our prizes. Those are the clues and the sound of our mystery bird in our contest coming along in just a, a little bit here. That, I say that, is the sound of a concrete mixer, often called a cement mixer. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about an ingredient of concrete whose production represents a pretty serious environmental problem. The ingredient is cement. 
Portland cement, which gets mixed with water and sand or gravel to make the concrete for buildings and walls and roads and such. But this week we have some potentially good news about cement and concrete. Scientists at the University of Exeter in England have been experimenting with concrete to see if its production could become more environmentally friendly. And they've had some success by adding microscopic flakes of a form of carbon called graphene to the mixture, they found that the concrete can trap and store the greenhouse gas carbon dioxide and break down pollutants from exhaust fumes and help protect aging infrastructure by sealing cracks as they form. And they say this new concrete is more durable and more than twice as strong as the regular kind. Nano-engineering professor Monica Krasion says the material is an absolute game-changer and suggests that a university-affiliated startup to sell it could be launched by year-end. If the product proves to be commercially viable, it would be a big deal since making cement, which is concrete's principal ingredient, accounts for 5% of global emissions of the greenhouse gas carbon dioxide. Krasion said the concrete... Graphene composite is also four times more resistant to water infiltration than ordinary concrete is, suggesting that buildings and infrastructure made of it might stand up better over time, especially in flood zones. That's getting to be an increasingly important thing, obviously. The composite material is also more elastic than ordinary concrete, making it maybe a better choice for construction projects in areas prone to earthquakes. And as a better conductor of electricity than its conventional counterpart, the composite material might find surprising new applications. Dr. Krasian envisions roadways whose surfaces could be electrified so they heat up to melt snow and ice. Meanwhile, here in the U.S., Dr. Franz Josef Ulm, faculty director of the Concrete Sustainability Hub at MIT, thinks walls made of electrically conductive concrete could serve as batteries to store electrical energy captured by solar panels. This is some pretty amazing stuff. Additional research is needed, including studies to determine for sure whether the tiny graphene particles might pose any health or environmental risks. But there seems to be some real potential for an important new product, green concrete. Research published in the journal Advanced Functional Materials. And you heard about it right here on Talking Birds. Conservation Salute of the Week goes to our neighbor to the north, Canada, which has just become the first country in the world to commit to national methane emission regulations for the oil and gas industry, marking an important shift toward climate protection. As described by the David Suzuki Environmental Foundation, the regulations help uphold a major plank in Canada's commitment to the pan-Canadian framework on clean growth and climate change, in which the country committed to cutting the oil and gas industry's methane pollution by 40 to 45 percent over the next eight years. The policy is said to represent the most significant contribution to ensuring the oil and gas industry is accountable for reducing its greenhouse gas pollution and serves as a responsible partner in an effective national climate action plan. What's the big deal about methane, by the way? Well, research indicates that over a 20-year period, methane is 84 times more potent than carbon dioxide as a climate pollutant, 
and leading scientists estimate that methane is responsible for 25% of already observed changes to Earth's climate. Well, we have some more new Talking Birds ambassadors to whom to say thank you. And we're very fortunate to have Stephen Wichowski from Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, joining us. Thank you so much, Stephen. He says, I have always loved birds. I remember taking a bird book out to recess when I was in first grade. And he says that he almost became an ornithologist. Thank you, Stephen. And we're glad you became a Talking Birds ambassador. Thank you to Andy Evans from Bloomington, Minnesota, who not only signed up as an ambassador, but also offered several terrific ideas about topics to tackle on our show. And he requested one of our Talking Birds patches. Thank you so much, Andy, for the great suggestions and for becoming an ambassador. Talking Birds cards and Talking Birds patch are on their way to Bloomington. Thank you to Jason Gallant from Memram Cook East, New Brunswick, Canada who says he's been birding only a few years and still considers himself a fledgling. And he says that he loves to bird along the Bay of Fundy coast, which is a great layover for thousands of semi-palmated sandpiper on their way back south. And he adds that he will greatly spread the word. That is awesome. Thank you, Jason. And thanks to Paul B. from Dakota, Illinois. Paul says he's a member of Northwest Illinois Audubon, he also says he'd like a Talking Birds patch. Paul, thank you so much for becoming an ambassador. Talking Birds cards and patch heading your way. And we want to say thanks to our friend Tom Semino down in um, Princes and Maryland. We just heard from Tom this morning. He's an ambassador down there, and he says, please send a patch. We can't have an ambassador without a patch. We'll send one right out to you, Tom. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll join Paul and Jason and Andy and Stephen and Tom in our Talking Birds Ambassadors program. Hand out some of our info cards to your friends and neighbors to spread the word about our show and about birds and conservation. Just uh, click on the contact button at TalkingBirds.com and uh, choose the Become an Ambassador option. Still to come on our show today, we'll catch up with our man, Mike O'Connor, in our Let's Ask segment, or Let's Ask Mike segment, on the Mother's Day topic of single moms of the bird world. We'll also invite your calls for our mystery bird contest in just a few minutes. And up next, a bird that's been entertaining lots of folks at numerous locations in our home state of Massachusetts this week is today's featured feathered friend, presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Is it a generalized specialist or a specialized generalist? That was a question posed by ornithologist Rob Beauregard at an Eastern Massachusetts Hawk Watch event. He was referring to the bird sometimes called Seahawk. It's Pandion heliatus better known as the osprey. It seems to be a specialist, since it eats almost nothing but fish, but then again it seems to be a generalist in that it doesn't seem to care much about what kind of fish it eats, having been seen carrying many fish species from salt and fresh water, including small sharks. Ospreys are large raptors with long, narrow wings. Their upper parts are a deep brown, while the breast is white and sometimes streaked with brown. The underparts are white, as is the head, except for a dark mask across the eyes, reaching to the sides of the neck, 
and the bill is mostly black. Ospreys have evolved an impressive arsenal of features that make them premier fish catchers, from a strong hooked bill to taloned feet that curve backward and sharp spiny scales on their feet that form a rough surface for gripping their slippery prey. It's pretty cool to watch an osprey hover over the water and suddenly make a feet-first swooping dive, hitting the water so hard they sometimes nearly disappear beneath the surface, then take flight again after carefully arranging the fish head-first to maximize its aerodynamic profile. The osprey made a remarkable recovery since being nearly wiped out by poison pesticides like DDT, and it's almost as famous for the way it collects strange items for placement in its nest as it is for its fish-catching ability. In his Life Histories of North American Birds, ornithologist Arthur Cleveland Bent noted some of the many items that have been discovered in the nests of ospreys. A partial list includes a barrel hoop, a rowboat oar, a toy boat with sail, a feather duster, a pair of trousers, a rag doll, a small fruit basket, a doormat, and a sheep skull. In his talk at the Hawkwatch event, Rob Beauregard showed a slide of an osprey in its high-platform nest that seemed to symbolize this remarkable bird's ability as an angler. Hanging from the nest, some 40 feet above the ground, was an entire fishing rod, line and reel included. The osprey, Pandion heliatus. Today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend. Thanks again for being with us. It's our show number 676. If you're a new listener, thanks for tuning in. We hope you'll tell your friends about our show if you like it. And we always invite you to visit our website. That's TalkinBirds.com. There would be no G in Talkin'. And we hope you'll follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Talkin' Birds. Meanwhile, it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute. Talking Birds, we're for the birds. And we want to say thanks to another Talking Birds ambassador who's helping to spread the word about birds and conservation. My name's Maurice Ives, calling from Tucson, Arizona. If someone is interested in becoming an ambassador, I think it gives a really neat feeling of being an active part of Ray's Talking Birds family. It adds really nice energy to our interest in birds and nature. And I think we could really use a lot more of this in today's world. Talkin' Birds listeners, we hope you'll become a Talkin' Birds ambassador. Just visit our website, TalkinBirds.com. Click on the contact button and then choose the Become an Ambassador option. We'll send you some info cards to hand out to your friends and neighbors. That's the contact button at TalkinBirds.com. And thanks. Just before our Mystery Bird Contest, a reminder, one of America's great birding events is coming soon. It's the Acadia Birding Festival at beautiful Acadia National Park in Maine, May 30th to June 5th. It's for birders of all levels, with field trips, workshops, presentations, and a special pelagic seabird boat trip. Find out more at AcadiaBirdingFestival.com. That's AcadiaBirdingFestival.com. That's the sound of our mystery bird. This is our mystery bird contest. We urge you to call in and be part of the contest. Tell us what the bird is or take your guess. No correct answer means a drawing will determine the winner from among all those nearly correct answers we might 
receive at 781-837-4900. That's 781-837-4900. We have a Droll Yankees double suet feeder. Perfect for feeding your backyard birds their favorite suet or fruit. Plus, we have that bonus prize, a download to your iOS device or online access to the LarkWire app, the app that makes learning bird sounds a game. 781-837-4900. Our mystery bird is a small songbird with yellow underparts, an olive green back, and a yellow face. The male wears what looks kind of like a black balaclava or ski mask. Our bird breeds all across the eastern U.S. and southern Canada, feeding on insects gleaned from leaves and branches or fly-caught in the air. That would be our mystery bird and some clues and the sound. And the phone number is 781-837-4900, 781-837-4900. Kind of a special Mother's Day-related bird topic with our man Mike O'Connor is coming along here next. It's Let's Ask Mike live in just one minute. Now a word from our friends at Birdwatching Magazine. For over a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Want some tips on backyard birding? Birdwatching Magazine has published a handy booklet that's yours to download for free. The 16-page guide includes practical field-tested answers to your most important questions about the birds in your backyard, from food to birdhouses, from those cute hummingbirds to those troublemaking birds. Go to birdwatchingdaily.com to get your backyard Q&A booklet. More than 100 million wild animals are killed each year illegally. Poaching is a major threat to our country's wildlife. I'm Tom Barry. I'm an actor with a desire to preserve living space for wildlife. The Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust does just that. Works with private landowners to protect wildlife to preserve natural habitats. To learn more or to work with the Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust, call 800-729-SAVE. That's 800-729-SAVE. Or visit wildlifelandtrust.org. Thank you. Down to Cape Cod, Orleans to be specific, down there on Route 6A, not far from the Rotary and the famous Birdwatcher's General Store, operated by Mr. Mike O'Connor, who is with us on the phone right now, I believe, with a Mother's Day edition of uh, Let's Ask Mike Live. Good morning, Mike. I felt that. A Mother's Day edition, yeah. Didn't why even, not? Why not is right, because you know why? Because it's Mother's Day. Oh, oh I today. didn't even know that. That's oh, yeah, why we right, uh, right, kind of right. did it. Yeah. <laughs> So here's, here's my thoughts. So yes. Today is, is Mother's Day, and I think we all see uh, our cardinal couples and robin yeah. couples coming and feeding their babies in those open cup nests. Mm. And they work very hard as pairs, but there's a lot of mothers or a lot of bird mothers that don't get any help from the lazy male. They come up <laughs> and they, they breed with the male, and then the mother goes off and builds a nest like wild turkeys, like a lot of ducks. Woodcocks are another one where the female does all the work. And one of my favorite ones are the common mergansers. The common mergansers uh, mate with the male, then the female finds usually a nest cavity, an old woodpecker cavity, and then she lays the eggs inside, kind of like what the wood ducks do. And she incubates, builds a nest by herself, she incubates the eggs by herself, and she flies down in the hicks, the hicks chack, <laughs> hatch. <laughs> And then they, they hop down, and she leads them all by herself to the water and protects them from predators and broods them. But the fun part is that the chicks, and I think we've seen this a little bit on, on you know, some magazines and things, that when the chicks get tired, then they, she actually, they climb up in her back. She's like the original minivan where the kids get up on the, on the mother, and she swims around and 
takes the chicks. But the, the one bird that works the hardest, I think, is the ruby-throated hummingbird. Again, the female will mate with the male, and then she builds a nest. A lot of these birds, like ducks, they just kind of pull some feathers out and make a little impression, but she finds a nest. She has to build a nest from scratch. She puts lichen along the side to hide it, to give it some protection, some uh, camouflage. She lays two eggs, and whereas uh, duck chicks feed themselves, they swim around, and the mother really doesn't have to provide any food for them. But her chicks are like baby like baby cardinals or baby chickadees. They're born naked and blind, and she has to go and find food for them. And it's really tiny insects, and she has to feed them until they grow and keep them warm at night and keep them protected. And she does this all by herself, and, and, that, and that's after flying whatever many thousands of miles from the tropics. She wow. has to do that and then pack up and head out again. So that's, that's my Mother's Day salute to the single mothers who work even harder. Motherhood is hard, but single motherhood is even harder, and some birds do it all by themselves, so salute to them. Wow. This, I can't remember for sure. Is it the eastern bluebird in which the male apparently tries to bring some twigs to the nest but usually drops them on the way? Yeah, they, you know, some guys just aren't mechanical and handy. <laughs> they try, but, you know, they're better off in the office. Thank you, Mike. Talk, okay, to, we'll talk to you next talk week. Talk to you next week. Mike O'Connor there at the Bird Watchers General Store, the famous Bird Watchers General Store on Cape Cod. If we continue to consume our natural resources at the rate we do now, by 2050, it could take three Earths to meet our needs. Be the voice for those who have no voice. Visit worldwildlife.org. We're back to the Mystery Bird Contest. Sound of our Mystery Bird. Couple of clues. Small songbird with yellow underparts and olive green back. And a yellow face. The male wears what looks like a black balaclava kind of thing, a little bit like a ski mask, maybe. Our bird breeds all across the eastern U.S. and southern Canada, feeding on insects gleaned from leaves and branches or fly caught in the air. 781-837-4900 is the number. 781-837-4900. Tell us what you think that bird is or take your guess, and we'll we'll talk to... uh, Who's first here, Jesse? Is it uh, Sue? Oh, it's Ben in Lawrence, Massachusetts. Hi, hi Ray. Hey, hello, Ben. Ray, Ray, would that be the Kingfisher? The Kingfisher. Jesse, would that be the Kingfisher? Let's see what uh, Jesse has to say. If he, uh, Very close. Very close, he Very says. close. Yeah. Okay. It's on the next page here. Okay. Thank you, Ben. All right. Okay, not thank a, you. <laughs> not a Kingfisher. 781-837-4900 would be the number. And um, we have Sue in Marshfield, Massachusetts, which is very, very close to where we are. In fact, that's where we are. Good morning, Sue. Good morning. How are you, Ray? Good morning. Are you a mom? Yes. Well, happy Mother's Day to you, Sue. Well, thank you very much. You're very welcome. And what about our uh, our mystery bird? It could provide a nice Mother's Day uh, present, possibly, if you yes. were to get this right. I like that audio, that um, that app for the bir- identifying bird sounds. Yeah, my, the LightWire app. Is- yeah. Yeah, my niece doesn't have sight, and she loves uh-huh. to identify birds, and mm-hmm. thought that'd be a great gift for her. Oh, it would but indeed, anyway, yeah. I'm yeah. going to guess the common, uh, the yellow throat. The common yellow throat. Uh, but I wasn't sure about the bal- what a balaclava yeah. was. I, maybe yeah, that so one of those things in the cold weather, kind of just your face kind of shows through, and then it's yeah, all you're kind yeah. of covered around there. But uh, I don't believe common yellow throat is the no. bird we were okay. looking for. Listen, uh, right. Sue, I want you to stay on the line. I'm going to ask Jesse to take your address anyway, because we're going to see if we can get one of those LarkWire apps 
uh, for your needs. Oh, oh, that is that? very kind of you. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Sue. Okay. Uh, we'll continue on with the mystery bird contest, and I believe we have Andrew, who is uh, up there in the great state of Oregon. Good morning, Andrew. Hey, how's it going, Ray? Good. Well, thank you. How about a mystery bird, Andrew? I'm going to guess a hooded warbler. That is a, is that a guess? Is that what that is? That is a, that's a kind of definitive word there. <laughs> yes, absolutely right, Andrew. Hooded warbler is our mystery bird. Hey, we're short on time, so stay on the line. We'll get your address and send the, those prizes out to you. All right, sounds good. Thanks so much, Ray. Thank you, Andrew. Andrew out in Oregon. We didn't get where exactly, but uh, he was, he's uh, identified the hooded warbler. Okay, on our show next week, the one, the only, the birdist, a.k.a. National Audubon contributor Nick Lund will be here with another of his birdists, Rules of Birding. And don't forget, two weeks from now, May 27th, we'll be broadcasting live from L.L. Bean in Freeport, Maine for the L.L. Bean and Maine Audubon Birding Festival. If you're anywhere near Maine or that area, come and join us. That's on the 27th, broadcasting live 9.30 to 10 Eastern. Thanks to Mark Duffield, Debbie Bleacher, and our engineer, Jesse Wilkins. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans Cape Cod, BirdWatchersGeneralStore.com, by L.L. Bean, inspiring you to get outdoors, LLBean.com, by Celestron, offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels, Celestron.com, and by Birds and Beans Shade Grown Bird Friendly Coffee, BirdsAndBeans.com.